0: Welcome back to the increasingly inaccurately named Advent Calendar House, a salute to all holiday specials, including the ones in which no one can stop screaming! Tonight marks the first night of Hanukkah, and thankfully, my vat of TV Hanukkah specials that I know about is not quite empty yet. So let's noisily snowmobile back to 1995 and try to figure out what everyone's yelling about in Nickelodeon's Wienerville Hanukkah special. I am cheap stormtrooper ripoff who wouldn't look out of place in a Devo video, Mike Westfall. And joining me is city mayor by day and ski lodge manager by night, or at least eight of them. Please welcome April Riley. Hi, April. Hi, how are you? I'm great. Thank you for coming on.
1: Oh, not a problem.
0: Uh, and sorry about all the screaming, I forgot.
1: <laughs> like, I, I I think in that show, uh, like, I vaguely remember... Um, this was like i was like 11 12 when this came out mm-hmm. um, and i think i might have repressed the memories of this show because i remember like the big head but i don't, i don't remember anything else from it so um yeah <laughs> the screaming
0: yeah i'm i'm about the same place that you are where i remember watching it it's not one i watched all the time i really remember it being on my tv i remember bony the dinosaur skeleton puppet Did nothing but yell at everyone, but I thought it was just him.
1: I was wrong. Yes. uh, Like, that's the two things I remember from this show. I remember Dottie, the big head and, you know, puppet lady, um, man, um, and then Boney with the, the bone hanging out of his mouth. But anything past that, I think, like you, it wasn't something I watched on a regular basis, but I have vague memories of it, and that would be the extent of it. Mm hmm. Which is really sad because, you know, we, we tend to seek out the uh, the Hanukkah specials, uh, you know. And, uh, you know, I, I don't know how this wasn't on my radar. Yeah, I remember
0: it airing and I remember watching it. I'm just fascinated by other holidays that other people celebrate. So this is something I managed to park down on. And this is, I've already done Rugrats. I've already done one with Lamb Chop. I did an episode of Shalom Sesame that is... That covered Hanukkah, and so this is the last one that I know of.
1: Well, I mean, and, and it's sad because most of them seem to have come out in the late night, like the mid to late 90s-ish, and then they just stopped. They, they forgot all about Hanukkah after that.
0: Yeah, they all kind of came out right around the same time, and then nothing.
1: Right, and it's like, so I kind of miss that Hanukkah love a little bit.
0: yeah. So a little back history here Wienerville is the brainchild of comedian, puppeteer and former street performer Mark Weiner. He started out as a clown and then in the late 1970s he performed outside the Metropolitan Museum of Art twice working with Robin Williams according to his website wienerville.com, which is still online but still looks like it was also made in the 90s. Yeah this uh this the,
1: the watching this it it's it's you didn't realize back then how poor quality things seemed to be. <laughs> like watching it now, it's like, wow, this this it looks really bad. But when you think about these memories, or like the Rugrats Hanukkah special, you don't you you don't think about you know how how rough it looked um, compared to today's TV shows.
0: Now it definitely looks twenty
1: five years old now. Right, it didn't hold up, like, I feel like there are other things, like, even, like, the Santa Claus movies that that did hold up a little bit better than these. These look rough.
0: (laughs) Well, it was a lot of camera shaking.
1: Uh, It was a lot of shaking in general. Puppet shaking, camera shaking. (laughs) (laughs)
0: Everyone's shaking.
1: Diesel from the WWF shaking. (laughs) Oh, we're going to get
0: to him. (laughs) Oh, but... Kids today and their parents may know Mark Wiener better from Dora the Explorer, in which he's the voice of Swiper the Fox and The Map. I'm the map. I'm the map. He's I'm the map. map. I'm he's the map. Map. He the map. I'm the map. He was the map in the movie. Did you see Dora and the Lost City of Gold?
1: I, 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 fortunately, I did not. Oh. <laughs> My kids never got on the Dora train. Um, like I have four children, ages uh, 6 to 15, and none of them have ever been Dora kids. So. Okay. Okay.
0: I have three. My oldest is 10. My youngest is six. My oldest latched on to right about when she was starting to understand what people were saying on TV was when that Dora and Friends series came out where Dora's a little older and she's got some human friends now. But this movie that came out last year is actually pretty good. It's kind of funny. Eva Longoria and Michael Pena from Ant-Man play her parents. So Uh, I would definitely go seek it out.
1: I'll yeah, I'll have to do that. Yeah, I'll, I'll see if it's on uh, one of the channels, and maybe one of the kids will get into it. Yeah, but
0: anyway, Wienerville. Best way I can describe Wienerville is like the Bozo the Clown show, but made by Nickelodeon in the nineties.
1: I, I, I would say it's more like um, you know Muppets okay. on a bad acid trip.
0: <laughs> I, no, yours is better. <laughs> Uh, But this one, it had audience participation bits, it had game show type segments, there were cartoon breaks with old stuff like Mr. Magoo and the Alvin Show, the original, original Chipmunks cartoon. But the majority of it was this puppet show where Mark's a bunch of different style puppets. For some, he'd pre-record bits where his puppet is just his head on a tiny body.
1: It's definitely a little, it, it, it's actually, yeah, that that's a little terrifying. I think that's probably the one thing I remember is just his head on a tiny body.
0: Yeah, that, that one stays with a person. Uh, and then he had other smaller puppets, and we'll meet a few as we go through this Hanukkah special, which debuted Thursday, December 14th, 1995. And usually they time these so it like starts on the first night of Hanukkah or something. This was actually a little before Hanukkah started that year. I looked it up. That started on the night of the 18th. But I remember Nickelodeon really promoting this pretty heavily.
1: I don't recall. Yeah, I don't have I don't remember any of that at all, which is a little disappointing just because, you know, growing up as a kid, having that representation there. Mm -hmm. um, I I always kind of looked for that. Um, That's why I recall the Rugrats Hanukkah special so much. But this I I have no idea why it was never on my radar. (laughs)
0: Strangely, I remember them promoting it more than I remember the actual special, but well, let's dive into it. Uh, we open almost classic Disney style with an on-screen title, The Hanukkah Story, accompanied by a lit menorah and an old dusty book. We know it's dusty because someone takes out a vacuum and cleans the book's cover, which is a cute little joke to get us going.
1: But the one thing that that didn't. Um, Mark Summers, the host at the beginning of that, didn't he, what, didn't he have OCD?
0: Yeah, so we pan out and it's Mark Summers, the host of Double Dare. He was diagnosed with OCD after all of that. Okay. Long ago in ancient Israel, a small band of heroic Jews defeated an evil king who tried to force them to live according to his laws. The Jews reclaimed their temple, which that evil king had destroyed, and relit the menorah but they found only enough oil to last one day. But then a miracle happened and the oil burnt for eight days.
1: Yeah, I was I was not quite sure, just I you know I wasn't sure of the timeline. I'm like, is that some kind of really awful reference to the fact that she says O C D you
0: No know, when people, a lot of people have I don't know if it was a rumor that started or if someone said, Oh, he had OCD? This double dare must have been torture for him. And from what Mark himself has said, it was not he wasn't diagnosed until after the fact. He had the time of his life doing that show. Okay. I think it was just this is an old book and I need to vacuum it.
1: Yeah. So it's like, you know, thanks for thanks for uh, you know, showing how little Hanukkah and, and Judaism in general oh, is mentioned. Dear.
0: Oh no. <laughs> Uh, but Mark Summers is Jewish.
1: Oh, I didn't know that. Yes,
0: okay. uh, he was born Mark Berkowitz. He changed his name after the capture of David Berkowitz, the son of Sam.
1: Oh, okay. No relation, because well, I mean, Mark Wiener is also Jewish. Yeah, we always uh, we 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 Jews like to collect e- each other. So it's like you know we'll always <laughs> run. Oh, he's a Jew. She's a Jew. <laughs> she's Jewish. Did you know she's Jewish? So uh, yeah, we <laughs> I put Mark Summers on my list.
0: Oh, absolutely. But Mark gives us a very short version of the Hanukkah story, after which he's immediately interrupted by Boney the dinosaur skeleton.
1: Hey, Summers! What, Boney? You ever hear the Wienerville Hanukkah story? No. Well, you're about to. Bring it in, boys!
0: Array! But that's Boney's cue to have a crew bring in a backdrop with a TV and begins to tell us his version of the story, as all the best holiday stories begin, in outer space.
1: It all started in outer space!
0: Where an evil king is chasing, quote, these potato pancake looking things called, I believe he says, sectos. They're aliens who look like potato latkes. It's these two actors in giant latka costumes and Bride of Frankenstein
1: style wigs. Are those supposed to be sour cream on their heads? Um, well, it might be sour cream, and sour cream is one of the two, uh, you know, two popular you know, dips for latkes. So it could be sour cream.
0: That's what I thought I, at first. I thought, wait, those are Bride of Frankenstein wigs, and then I don't know what made me think of that. And then I thought, oh, it's it's sour cream. I get it.
1: Yes, which is the only, you know, if I'm giving my personal opinion, it's the only correct topping for latkes. <laughs> I, I don't do applesauce. Never applesauce.
0: I, I think I would swing toward sour cream as well now that you mentioned that. Yeah.
1: There's just something about salty, oily potato pancakes that do not belong with applesauce. It's, no. it's like a major, you know, kind of a major, uh, major fighting point. Some people team applesauce. Some people team sour cream. Oh, some really? people in the middle. I am team never applesauce.
0: Okay. Yeah. And I'm, well, I'm the sort of the person, I never like putting milk over my cereal, so I'm sure applesauce would have a similar effect where it would just make the pancakes really soggy.
1: Well, it's more used as a dip. Like, you don't pour oh, okay. it over or anything like that. Okay. So, like, you know, you, you fry them up and then you use them as a dip. Um, and so I just, I'm not a sweet, like, I don't like chocolate-covered pretzels. So I'm not a mm-hmm. sweet and savory kind of person, so okay. maybe that's why. So doing sour cream is kind of like a baked potato almost
0: now that oh, yeah that sounds <laughs> sounds really good now all right i'm on team sour cream too everyone not that my opinion matters but there you go uh at any rate these two sectos are named nivik and synrek played respectively by actors joanne baum and michael gunst who have almost no other credits on imdb so they're not known tv or film actors but Joanne Baum played a character on the Nick Jr. show Allegra's Window, which I've never seen.
1: I, I, I like. I feel like this is familiar to me, but it may not be. All those, yeah, when you get to a certain age, all those mid-90s uh, recollections, they kind of blend together. They
0: do. Yeah. Uh, no, I, I don't remember this. It was in some girl's room named Allegra, uh, and this Joanne Baum played a male woman named Ancora. Everybody on the show had a musical name, I think. And Michael Gunst has no other credits, but the first thing that comes up when I Googled his name was a website for a man with that name who's a puppeteer and mask maker. So, yeah, probably fellow puppeteer friends of Mark Wiener's is Puppet Pals.
1: That would make sense.
0: The name Sinrek is... Co-executive producer Lee Kernis' last name spelled backward, and Nivik is Kevin backward. There's a Kevin Key given special thanks at the end of the credits, so maybe that guy. I don't know. Thanks for helping me out. I'll name some pancakes after you.
1: <laughs> some alien pancakes. Yes.
0: At any rate, they're being chased by the evil Auntie Dorcas. Played by Brian O'Connor, better known as Schemer from Shining Time Station. I, Auntie Dorcus, commander of the Kerrig Empire,
1: demand that you surrender, for I am your father! No, you're not!
0: <laughs> I,
1: I am your mother! Mommy! Don't fall for that old Wait, Why does that sound familiar? Like...
0: That was a PBS show. It was a little after my time, but my younger brother and sister would put it on. It took place in a train station.
1: I think it was also, I I also had the same, you know, kind of after my time, but it does sound familiar. I think he, didn't he have a pocket watch or something?
0: Uh, No, he was like this, Schemer was sort of the the trickster of the group. He wore this like 70s suit, this plaid blazer.
1: But the, but the conductor that, in that show, I think, yes, had a pocket watch. the conductor watch. had a pocket that's watch. I think the only thing I recall is a pocket watch. It looked yeah. like somebody like one of those VIP guides at Disney.
0: Oh, yes, exactly like that. Yeah, no, the conductor, first it was George Carlin, and then it was Ringo Starr.
1: I do remember Shining Time Station.
0: <laughs> and then Didi Cons in there as like the head of this station. That's all I remember. It's just like, I know that person. I know that person. I shouldn't know that person.
1: Yes. Now I like I can I can picture just tiny little snippets of it, but not not recall anything. Just it's kinda like Dottie the Head. I remember Dottie the Head, but yep. I don't remember. You know, past that there's there's nothing specific.
0: Mm-hmm. Just oh that existed. But Yes. Schemer. That's Brian O'Connor here playing anti-dorcas a play on the name of the Hanukkah story's actual antagonist, Antiochus, and maybe it's because I don't hear the story every year that it took me a few watches before I realized, oh.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I got that right away.
0: Okay. (laughs) I feel better now. So we have rebellious aliens running from an evil ruler chasing their spaceship. All that's missing is said evil ruler revealing that he's their father. Oh, wait, there it is. But no, he's not. Then he tries I am your mother. When all else fails, he tells the little cronies to prepare to attack. And Boney finally moves the story along back to Earth. And we get to a skiing montage to the tune of Tom Petty's Running Down a Dream. You know, the song about skiing.
1: The soundtrack on this show was actually pretty killer. It was.
0: I was surprised. They got a few others coming. But unlike the show Wienerville, this is definitely not produced in Orlando, Florida. Because that's actual snow on the ground. This was produced and filmed at the Killington Ski Resort and Summit Lodge in Vermont. And Boney is out here snowboarding with Sacco, A puppet Mark wears on his arm, so two of his fingers act as Sacco's legs. And he just likes to kick people. And that's his whole thing kind of a weird puppet
1: they were all weird puppets
0: they are and i feel like uh, i think i read that mark wiener sort of invented these style of puppets uh maybe they, not they, the ones they're,
1: they're, the they're called like giant head or big head puppets correct? okay
0: yeah those and then this is the one that he kind of wears on his arm they got a few other really small ones that are carved a very particular way
1: yeah they're all they're all rather terrifying Th- ra-
0: yeah perfect perfect word for that Uh, And while skiing, Boney crashes into a telephone booth, which, hey, grown-ups, remember telephone booths? When uh,
1: I took my son, I actually had taken my son to New York City. He's 15. I took him in New Uh York City before the world came to an end in uh, January. And and we passed a couple of them, and I introduced him to actual telephone booths.
0: (laughs) They still have some up at, like, every resort down here at, at Disney. They have just a little alcove that has phone booths. For the people who still need to make phone calls, I don't know if it's uh, a <laughs> law or anything, but there they are.
1: I don't think I've ever seen those at Disney.
0: There, you gotta kind of look for them. Usually, they're off by elevators is where I usually okay. find them.
1: Okay, I've seen. I think I've seen. Don't they have some at like the Ticket and Transportation Center?
0: They definitely do have them there. I know right where they are for some reason at the Polynesian Resort, which I've never stayed at, but I guess I've been to enough.
1: Ohana breakfast.
0: Yeah. We used to cheat and park over there instead of at the Ticket and Transportation Center before they kind of got wise and said, nope.
1: Yep. Just say you have a breakfast and park and going over. (laughs) What, like $30 a day for parking? Can you blame them?
0: (laughs) No. Why is there a phone booth on a ski slope?
1: Why is there like, I was going to say why is there a phone booth in general but it's 1995. So right. Of course there's. do <laughs> <I> not <can't> remember <laughs> times without cell phones anymore.
0: It's getting to the point where yeah.
1: Like none of my kids even know what a home, like a, a wall phone is. They have no concept of it. Oh a wall no. Phone.
0: Yeah, I've had yeah. to explain to that. Uh my mom dug out one of those electronic baseball games with where it's just a red dot that moves around a black screen and my Four year old at the time thought it was a phone because what else would she think it was?
1: Yes. <laughs> uh,
0: and on the other end of the phone is Dottie, the mayor of Wienerville.
1: Hello! Oh! I need your
0: help! Which is just Mark Wiener in a wig and one of his tiny bodies. Normally she's the mayor, but in this she's working a shift as concierge at the Wienerville Ski Lodge. And she calls Boney in a panic because Mark, you know himself, is bringing his family and a bunch of friends to the lodge that night for a Hanukkah party.
1: Winter's coming! Tell me out! But Boney, you can sing songs and light the menorah with all the kids! So? You can spin the
0: dreidel? So? There'll be lots of presents and all the potato pancakes you can eat, you know, vodka? Mm -hmm. Hanukkah! Here I go! And with the promise of all the latkes he can eat, Boney agrees to help as we go into our opening theme song. And here's where the camera just decides, I'm going to move everywhere and shake like crazy to give you the illusion of a crazy party.
1: It's a bad fever
0: dream. It really, really is. But for those of us who stuck around to watch the rest of this, it ends with Boney crashing the phone booth right into the lodge. And that's about to be the least of their troubles. He got snow on the floor. Which draws the ire of the ski lodge's housekeeper, Miss Kabble, who's a large imposing puppet in Terminator sunglasses and a traditional housekeeper's uniform. Oh got snow on my floor! Wahoo!
1: I did not realize that that was supposed to be a female character until they actually, like, mentioned she.
0: <laughs> yeah, because it's definitely, like, I say Terminator sunglasses. That's what they're supposed to be. But really, they look like the kind of plastic sunglasses you get at the eye doctor when they dilate your pupils and you have to drive home.
1: But they, aside from the Terminator sunglasses, she also had the Terminator baritone voice.
0: Oh, that's right. <laughs> And then she's got this giant vacuum on her back called the Vac Master 3000, strapped like a proton pack from Ghostbusters. And that's it. She's only there to kind of rough them up and say, don't get snow on my floor. And then Dottie puts Boney to work, getting ready for the Hanukkah party. Meanwhile, back in space, first off, we now get a better glimpse of the alien spaceship, and it's dreidel-shaped. <laughs>
1: I actually miss the the fact that it was dreidel shaped. It was bebopping around that um that, that, that meteor a little too uh haphazardly. <laughs>
0: so, yeah. Yeah, it's like a tiny it's probably an actual size dreidel on a stick and they're moving it around this space background.
1: I like I appreciate that attention to detail. Oh yeah.
0: And I also like how even though this is on a Nickelodeon budget, it's still just an actual dreidel on a thin puppet rod, spray-painted silver, and just zipping along a painted backdrop. Well, Auntie Dorcas's minions are just wearing painted helmets, safety goggles, face masks, and a baseball catcher chest protector. Like, it doesn't look bad, but they also aren't trying to fool anybody, and I think that's kind of the point.
1: No, and like, I... I like that, though. I said there was something like I I do cosplay at conventions sometimes. And I was like, oh, "Oh, I really like Auntie Dorcas's costume. (laughs) (laughs) I wonder if anybody would recognize that or I just look like a weirdo out there. That
0: would be a very, very deep cut. But if someone recognizes you, that's someone somewhere on the Internet is going to be like, I know what you are. And that'll be worth it.
1: Right, and I feel like that is going to be one of those the, the, those those conventions. Are where somebody would recognize that from? <laughs> yeah, Because probably. it's like the obscure corners of pop culture world that you know you might see, and it's you know somebody's always going to you know understand it, and it's there's, wonderful.
0: There's always one. So Andy <sighs> Dorcas attempts to hit the sectos with something called a cure gray, but instead, his trooper pushes a button labeled "party." And balloons, confetti, and a disco ball drop from the ceiling as the conga starts
1: playing. Uh. On, like the actual glorious Stefan conga. Yeah. <laughs> Another nod to the uh, phenomenal soundtrack.
0: Yes. That's where all the money went, the music rights.
1: Right, exactly. I'm like, wow, did they, did, how did they get all the—I mean, with Gloria Stefan and Tom Petty and the B-52s, it's like you put a lot of money into those licensing rights.
0: Well, it's Nickelodeon, so they're, they were owned by MTV Network, so that's probably—they oh, had, okay. had them anyway, I'm guessing. But they still got to pay for it.
1: Royalty somewhere.
0: Yeah. So the, the potato pancake aliens are safe from whatever the cure gray is, but uh-oh, they're ships out of oil! So they crash-land right into the kitchen of the Wienerville Ski Lodge, where Boney promptly bites one in the butt, thinking it's a giant locket, and who among us? I like that they just matter-of-factly explain to Boney, we're not lockets, we're aliens from outer space. Giant potato
1: lockets! Yoooo! We're not potato lockets! We're aliens from outer space! I think that was probably my favorite line of it. We're not locked because we're aliens.
0: <laughs> like, they've had that conversation at least twice that week.
1: Yes, it's not the first time they've
0: come across. Yeah. So now they tell their story of their escape from Anti Dorcas, and we find out what this Cure Grey does. It forces you to do whatever its caster commands.
1: And I really like the dances that they're doing, like bending over and smacking their behinds. <laughs> their <Yeah>. like. <laughs> And now you shall worship like us! <laughs> like, how did this fly back then? I don't know. <laughs> well,
0: Nickelodeon right around the mid-90s was starting to get a little edgier.
1: They really were. I mean, I look back on some of these things and I'm like, you know, with like salute your shorts and yeah, <laughs> that yeah. kind of stuff. It's, you know, it's it, things you appreciate now as an adult that you didn't understand as a kid.
0: Right, and then somehow Boney is yelling, somebody call Oprah, is the joke that holds up the best here.
1: It really does. Yeah.
0: Yeah, the the bending over and slapping your own butt is anti Dorcas forcing them to worship like him.
1: And then there's also the dancing. Like, there's also like the this. dancing.
0: <laughs> then he forces <laughs> them to eat liver like him. I feel like liver was a very 90s kid show go-to example of food no one likes. But have you ever had fried chicken livers at Cracker Barrel? They're good.
1: I Well, see, my father was – it was liver and onions. And even okay. the smell of that cooking in the house is just disgusting. I remember that from a kid. So maybe it's like the trauma of you know, <laughs> that smell. But, uh, yeah, I've never been a liver person. So I definitely understand how that even now, like my kids have never experienced that. But if I said you're going to eat liver, they that's the reaction they would have <laughs>
0: That and Brussels sprouts, but with those you just you, you air fry them and they're
1: great. See, we're all just too picky for that kind of stuff. It's like, luckily for you know, for my kids, they don't have to eat this stuff because I won't eat this
0: stuff. There you go. But somehow the aliens managed to run away when Anti Dorkus attempts to make them dance like him, and that's how they escaped. And now they're stranded here on Earth, and not only are they out of oil for their ship, but Wienerville's resident cook, Pops, is also out of oil for his latkes, so it's off to pick up some oil from the supermarket. And what follows is about a minute-long montage of the whole gang, including the giant pancake aliens, wandering around a Food King grocery store, or should I say roaming around one... To the music of Rome by the B 52s.
1: Which was another, was probably the best ad of of all. Absolutely. I grew up with the B 52s. Like, most kids listen to the lullabies, we listen to the first B 52s tape. That's what my mom played when we went to bed at night.
0: Oh, my cousin uh, sings his kids to sleep to Rock Lobster.
1: Oh, okay. Yeah, <laughs> we yeah, Rock Live. That was the that was the tape that we listened to. I actually saw the B fifty twos about two years ago in concert. Oh wow. With um I think the Thompson twins.
0: Wow. Yeah. Oh what a show.
1: Right. So you've got to have it's normally pretty eclectic tastes that really, you know, can appreciate B fifty twos.
0: Yeah. And it's probably something you might hear in a supermarket today because we're old.
1: Um but <laughs> I feel like we're getting into the 90s now, you know, what you hear in the supermarket. Yeah, like we had like, this is my jam. It's like, that's how you know you're old when your supermarket starts. It
0: it feels like there's a constant 30 year gap. So this last decade, we've had sort of an 80s renaissance and now the 90s are just waiting in the wing.
1: It's uh, yeah, it's a little disheartening. (laughs)
0: while shopping, they run into quite possibly the most 1995 celebrity I can think of, former Saturday Night Live cast member Laura Keitlinger in a brown flannel shirt.
1: Hey, lady, where can I find the toilet paper? Why don't you try the bathroom?
0: Do you know and recognize Laura Keitlinger?
1: I don't. But she wasn't the one that got applesauce dumped in her hands, like She's
0: she. the applesauce one, yeah.
1: Okay. Yeah, see, I don't recall like I was a little later coming to um coming to Saturday Night Live. Like that. So I was the, the late nineties Horatio Sands okay. and yeah, those guys.
0: Yeah, I think she was early nineties. Um, okay. A little bit before my time then. Okay. And I watched a lot of Comedy Central around then, so she was always on Comedy Central. Uh but she also wrote for and was a consulting producer for will and grace on which she plays recurring character nurse Sheila.
1: Again, that's another show that I think before my time will and grace. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. Like I did. I know a lot of people my age appreciate it, but I never really got into that show.
0: Neither did I, but a lot of my friends were super into it. So,
1: yes. I, you know, I know, I, I know, uh, you know, I know the premise and the characters, and I think I did watch it here and there with like because it was on around the same time as Friends, uh, but I never I never got into like the okay. hardcore. Mm. Well, here
0: she is shopping for Hanukkah herself. Asks the deli for a half pound of applesauce, and like you said, they just plump it in her. Hand. Well, it's actually one of the aliens in the uh, behind the counter, and they just scoop it into her hands.
1: Yes, and and that that was odd to me. You applesauce at a deli a half a pound of applesauce at a deli like i don't even know jewish delis that do that <laughs> maybe i haven't gone to the right jewish deli around hanukkah which is i live in charlotte north carolina so it's not like we're teaming with jewish delis. Okay. <laughs> yeah. we don't have any
0: there's a group that comes down here, and th- I think they're building a Jewish center near my house. Uh, but I see them every Passover, like right before Passover starts. They're out there in in a big drove kind of getting rid of a lot of things that they need to get rid of before Passover starts.
1: Right. So Passover, you're not allowed to have anything leavened. Right. Um. So in order, you have to clear out your house of any leavened products, so crackers, breads, noodles, any of that stuff. You can't just throw Well, you can throw it away if you need to, but you're supposed to sell it to a non-Jew. Okay. Yes, yeah, so that's, that's the weird thing there. Me, I just, uh, like, my kids aren't going to eat a, a week's worth of uh, matzah anyway. Uh, I'm not going to do that to their di- digestive systems. That's just cruel at this point. Um, but that's technically what you're supposed to do.
0: Okay. Thank you.
1: And then you clean every, like, you have to clean everything and boil your countertops and, like, oh, make wow. sure there's no possible crumbs anywhere. Yeah, it's intense. Passover is intense.
0: Well... But it's Sako who finally finds oil for both latkes and space travel, conveniently labeled UF Oil. Oof.
1: Oh, I finally got that job.
0: Well done.
1: I like when it hits me just like three hours <laughs> later.
0: <laughs> yeah, they didn't make it very obvious. I understood it because I think the copy that I watched on YouTube, that was the cover photo for it.
1: Oh, and same thing that was the copy that you had sent me Okay. which on a side note I really appreciate that that came with commercials as well
0: yes there are commercials for this we have who is it it's Penny Marshall and Rosie O'Donnell and Kmart right for
1: the Kmart commercial and I'm like oh look at that tape deck only 137 for right. that CD player <laughs> where are you right here look what Kmart's got an RCA CD audio
0: system how much only $137 bucks. let us hear it Kmart is my favorite store. Listen up, big guys, dog is Kmart. Yeah, I like it a Kmart, oh, go girl cake to the Save more day. than $50 on Kmart. this 3CD system with remote this week at today's Kmart. Yeah, what? The
1: Kmart. Yeah, that was some, that was some nostalgia. That oh really God. was. That was the complete experience, I feel like.
0: So thank you for whoever put that on YouTube. You did it right.
1: And I really feel like they ripped that from an old videotape. Like oh, they, they had, had to on their VCR, and then found it and was like, "Might as well put it on YouTube."
0: Yeah, yeah. you can see the tracking lines and everything.
1: Yes, which way that that in itself brought back brought back memories. Mm-hmm.
0: And speaking of fuel for large vehicles, back at the ski lodge, Dottie's taking a reservation over the phone for our second celebrity cameo: former WWE champion Diesel.
1: And that I could appreciate. <laughs> I grew up with wrestling, so I'm like, oh, hey, it's Diesel.
0: <laughs> Better known as Kevin Nash.
1: You want a room with a mountain view, a king
0: size bed, a home entertainment center, and a personal masseuse. Is there anything else?
1: Yeah, Dottie, one more thing. Keep bony away from my potato pancakes.
0: Just lost the championship when this aired, so he had a whole year-long world championship run before losing it just weeks before this aired to Bret Hart and Survivor Series.
1: Oh, only a couple years before Bret Hart got screwed over. (laughs) Yep.
0: But even then, he was the hottest name in WWE at this point in 1995. So that's what he was doing on this special, I suppose, because he's not Jewish.
1: No, he's not. No, mm, I don't think so, at least.
0: But in
1: 1990, 99- cameo, the cameo and the, uh, the the relevance at the time.
0: Oh, yeah, that was a great get. Because I think the most prominent Jewish wrestler I can think of in 1995 before Goldberg started was Barry Horowitz. And he's no diesel.
1: No, he's not. And I, I, I want to say that Goldberg and Paul Heyman are the only ones that I really know of that. Yeah. In the business.
0: And I like that he's wearing a T-shirt with his own picture on it, which wrestlers wear their own merch all the time. That's how they sell it. But it was funny.
1: Yes, it was. It was quite like he popped up in there and I had no idea that somebody like that was was going to be dropped into my lap. So I'm like, oh, hey,
0: and I'm so happy that you knew immediately who that was. That makes me feel good.
1: Yes, like, I I looked it up, you know, after the fact of, like, when you look up, when you Google this episode, Kevin Nash is, like, the first person that pops up. Oh, really? In terms of, you know, the stars of this show. (laughs) He had a 30-second, not even 30-second cameo.
0: No, it's like 10 seconds, and he's off the phone. Yes. And no sooner does Dottie get off the phone than Auntie Dorcas shows up looking for the aliens And since they're not around, he just decides to commandeer the ski lodge until they show up. And then back from commercial, we complete our 90s celebrity cameo hat trick with another phone call from another SNL cast member, Denny Dillon, whom I don't know much else about.
1: Daddy, I'm all set
0: for the Hanukkah party. I got my dress, new shoes, and presents for everyone.
1: I'm afraid we're all booked up right now. I don't either. Like when you the, the previous person when you mentioned their name, I at least l- the name sounded vaguely familiar. This one, not at all.
0: No. But then when I looked up her filmography, it hit me. I know Denny Dillon best as the woman in Saturday Night Fever who asks if she can wipe John Travolta's forehead.
1: I'd love to watch you dance, Tony. Yeah. I love it. I'd love to watch you dance. That's, that's a claim to
0: fame right there. Yeah. I love to watch you dance, Tony. That's Denny Dillon. Don't we all? <laughs> uh, so she's also calling to book a room, but Dottie has no choice but to tell her they're all booked up as Andy Dorcas is holding the lodge hostage until someone tells him where the pancake aliens are and starts firing his ray gun at clips of skiers wiping out. It's clearly just hard cuts of, like, clips of skiers wiping out that they didn't film. They just had stock footage of them, and it's great. It, it,
1: it was almost like a, uh, a blooper reel, kind of like yes. they pulled some kind of blooper reel.
0: <laughs> and they, like, added the stock sound effects to go with it of just, like, this is a wiping out sound.
1: And somebody screaming. Yeah.
0: <laughs> and then we cut back to Boney writing his name in the snow with something yellow, but it's like, it's Lemonade
1: he says that that when he was writing that in the snow, I'm like, oh, so we're doing this. (laughs) It's like that's something that you don't see too much. Now it's too nowadays. And he's like, oh, lemonade. Okay, I see how you're cleaning that up.
0: Yeah. Like they clean it up. But like most kids know what you're talking about.
1: Right. At least I think most kids of the 90s. I don't think necessarily my kids would have an understanding of that. No, probably Um, not. Yeah. But I think back then things tend to be a little more crude.
0: Mm hmm. Um, but the gang and their alien pals notice the lodge is now being guarded by Anti Dorcas's troops before they get too close. The the aliens want to run away. Sako calls out their lack of courage, but they need help. And Boney happens to notice a very large neon sign just off screen pointing to an otherwise unimpressive shack in the middle of the snowy woods belonging to Gonza Kanaker, the wise guy. He knows all he can help. That's what the sign says. How convenient!
1: Now, this was my favorite cameo, <laughs> if you will, of the movie because <laughs> you're like, you know, when they go in and they meet him, who you know that face, you yeah. know that, and when you look it up, or if you don't recognize it right away and you look it up and you realize who he is, it's like, oh, I got it.
0: So it's David Johansson of the New York Dolls, credited here as his alter ego, Buster Poindexter. It seems to me evil space guys are trying to force your people to be just like their people, but you don't want to be because you want your freedom, but you're scared and you don't know what to do. Well, It appears to me that your story is a lot like the story of Hanukkah. And here he's this ancient looking, ancient sounding, wise old Jewish man. And to my knowledge, he's also not Jewish, so it's weird to see him in this role.
1: Yeah, I, I'm pretty sh- pretty sure, but he played it very well. He did the Jewish, you know, the, the, the Yiddish kind of voice. Yes. <laughs> you know, like, like Yiddish is his second language kind of voice very well.
0: <laughs> Probably good pals with Mark Wieners, who am I to say who he casts in his Hanukkah specials. Exactly. But do what you want, man, but strange little scene this is, but I like it.
1: I did too. And that, that, that's just like the cameo and the way he played it. Even if he's not Jewish, he played it very well.
0: Oh, good. So he's Gonshika Knocker, and he's the one who points out the plight of the giant potato pancake-looking aliens dealing with an evil ruler trying to force them to act like him. Sure sounds a lot like Hanukkah. And here, finally, is where they tie it all together with another song, appropriately called The Hammer Came Down. Oh. Ho- a ago, there was an evil king who told Jewish folks you can't do your thing. You can't read your books. Get rid of your books.
1: Did anyone ever tell you that act like shot?
0: And we get a cute little play featuring Bony as King Antiochus and Sako as Judah Maccabee, kicking everyone as he does.
1: I really enjoyed the synopsis <coughs> of Hanukkah. Oh good. Did you like this song? Um, I, I actually like the set the the song towards the end that Mark Wiener did. I, I preferred that one.
0: <laughs> yeah, me too. This one still had a lot of screaming. It did,
1: it did. Well, anything lacking anything with Boney is gonna have some screaming.
0: Yeah. Noticeably less than the opening number, plus they added a menorah with nine singing puppet faces, so that was neat. Yes. <laughs> So off they go back to the ski lodge where Auntie Dorcas is forcing the Wienerville house band Cocktail Frank and his weenies. There he is, another Mark Wiener hand puppet, to play awful accordion music. How dare you knock the accordion,
1: sirs? Uh, that's, that was harsh.
0: That Yeah, but to be fair, it's very off-key accordion playing, and Dottie's doing some dance she does not want to do.
1: At least she's not smacking her butt.
0: Yes, thank you. Thank you for that. <laughs> Uh, And that is when Boney, in disguise as a delivery boy, delivers a very large Hanukkah present to Auntie Dorcas. But surprise, it's the pancake aliens who immediately hit him in the face with a cream pie. And this chaotic fight scene erupts, the good guys notably using a giant dreidel to knock out some troops, and Boney covering the stairs in oil Home Alone style to make the bad guy slip on it. And that's as close as it gets to referencing Christmas. It doesn't, and it doesn't need to. But I will gladly welcome Home Alone-style pratfalls and anything.
1: And I appreciate that they don't, they don't tie in Christmas. But there's no mention of Christmas in the Hanukkah story.
0: No, Rugrats did that very briefly in their Hanukkah special, and it was not necessary.
1: Right, and, and I think any pretty much any Hanukkah special you find or Hanukkah movie, because there's a couple really bad Hallmark ones out there. Oh, really, uh, it's always tied in with Christmas.
0: Oh dear, they did it right here. That's all we get. And in the end, Auntie Dorcas manages to get the upper hand with Sacco in one hand and his Kiergray Grey in the other. I win. <laughs> I've got you, I've got my tear, gray, I've got everything! <laughs> yeah, but you forgot one thing! Oh, and what might that be? You get snow on the floor! And out comes Miss Kabobble again.
1: Oh, and I love his reaction here. Yes! <laughs> like... Screaming like a girl, terrified.
0: (laughs) Yeah, all we see is him just screaming in pure terror as the camera zooms in on his face. Oh, God, snow on my floor! Before fading to black, I kind of love that effect.
1: Right, like, you know, he was murdered by the. He was murdered harshly. Like a
0: vacuum. Yes. Very cheesy horror flick vibes here. We never find out what horrible things happens to him, but next we see him and his troops getting thrown out by the gleeful pancake aliens who tell the Wienerville gang thanks to them, they can bring Antidorkus back to their planet to trade his freedom for their people. But thanks to Boney's Home Alone stunt, there's only one bottle of UF oil left. But again, as Sacco points out, it's Hanukkah. A little oil goes a long way if you have faith.
1: Which is, you know, kind of a gamble to take, you know?
0: It is a gamble to take. If
1: you're going out into space, you know, if you're launching yourself into space, maybe just not the right right time to hope for a miracle.
0: (laughs) Yeah, yeah, space is a little different, you're right. But this is the, what's the Hanukkah equivalent of a Linus moment?
1: Um... I don't necessarily know if we don't have Olanka equivalent of a yeah. Linus moment. Um, I maybe when we realize that the uh, the oil is going to last eight nights. There we go. Or it just keeps burning.
0: That's that's what we get here. So take that, Linus. Yes, exactly. But so they have to go now. Their planet needs them. And no sooner do they blast off than Mark arrives with his family and friends and a foil-wrapped plate full of latkes, which Boney immediately yoinks out of his hand.
1: I mean, latkes are—if you've had good latkes, like, we make latkes year-round, because if you've had good latkes, you will yank them out of somebody's hand. (laughs) (laughs)
0: Uh, And Dottie realizes in the skirmish, the menorah broke, but Mark says no problem, you can make a menorah out of anything. And that's the band's cue to play out the final song of the special.
1: Menorah, Menorah, I'm looking for ya. I can't elaborate and I think for today. Menorah, Menorah, you know I adore you Let's get together
0: and I'll be right away. All you need is eight candles and a shaman to light them. now show us what you got. I'm Menorah. Bussara. Menorah.
1: Menorah.
0: Menorah.
1: Which is going to be, which would be my one gripe about this special. It's 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 supposed to be the first night of Hanukkah, correct? Right. Okay, so why are why is the entire menorah lit?
0: Oh, I didn't notice that. you got a good point. I think yeah, it's supposed so like to be the first. Yeah, so like they light
1: the entire menorah, and it's like, hmm, it's not, the you know, it's the first night of Hanukkah. Get it So right. I, I get it's probably for effect because you don't light oh, sure. one candle, but not accurate. Just light them all. No. Right, exactly. Which, you know, with four kids, and each kid has their own menorah. And I have my own menorah, which is actually a golden T-Rex. By the eighth wow. night, it is a fire hazard in my kitchen.
0: Oh, my goodness.
1: Because we have five five of them burning with nine candles in each one. Sure, <laughs> which, wow. Like, we, we have to love, knock on wood. We've never had any issues, but oh, we good. have to keep fire extinguishers handy.
0: Yeah. And this song teaches us all the different things you can make a menorah out of as long as you stick some candles in it. Yours is a golden T-Rex. Do you have a favorite makeshift menorah in this scene? The banana? Yes, that was mine too.
1: <laughs> I'm like, wow, that actually, that's good. <laughs> I'm going to have to remember that someday if I'm ever traveling.
0: And I also have a soft spot. Mark's daughter made one out of crushed soda cans and a bottle for the shamash in the middle. That was neat.
1: Oh, that's cute. My kids have made a couple out of um, like a... Uh, shower tiles like a long shower t- like ceramic shower tile and oh, they well. put lug nuts um, so they they s- glued lug nuts and then over so the shamash they glued two lug nuts together so it's a little higher and then you can just fit the candle in the lug nuts
0: oh very nice yes they even have Laura Nigger come back with a handful of applesauce and they just stick candles in it look it's a menorah
1: <laughs> that I don't think would make a very good menorah
0: probably not it's just not portable enough
1: Right, it's also not that the the it doesn't have the hold that you should. It's just got the candles are just gonna fall over.
0: I would not want to leave applesauce out for more than a couple of days, so that's not gonna work out.
1: Right. Uh,
0: and then the last thing we see is the dreidel-shaped spaceship almost crashing again with only one engine burning, and then all the other eight engines suddenly ignite, and off they go leaving a message, Happy Hanukkah in the starry night sky.
1: And that's the true miracle of Hanukkah. Yes.
0: And we get a reprise of that Hanukkah song as the cast and celebrity cameos, wave to the camera, wish us all a happy Hanukkah as the credits roll, and we made it. We did. What a special.
1: (laughs) I think, I think, um, I I don't think this is going to be something my kids are going to get on board with. I,
0: yeah, I don't see this one having a lot of lasting appeal, but per, I I think it's one of those if you know you know deals, which right. with a with a certain age group of adults now.
1: Right. So it's a, you you've got the nostalgia of the '90s, and then you know for for the Jewish folk, it's like, hey, this is our own little corner of the universe that we get.
0: Any other final thoughts on the Wienerville Hanukkah special? Oh.
1: Um. I don't have any. I think if I'm going to leave it in, in today, in this perfect moment in time. I <laughs> we'll yep. probably never watch it again. <laughs> yeah,
0: I've watched a lot of Christmas specials that are very much stuck in their own decades. This is definitely a very 1995-specific special. And one I definitely remembered with rose-colored glasses. But despite all the screaming, it was still fun to look back on it one more time.
1: It was. And it was it was largely accurate. So I can you know, and uh, I appreciate anything that reaches out to teach other people, you know, kind of about the the, the, the holiday. Like w- there was one point in where uh, Dottie was explaining latkes. She was like, latkes? What are latkes? They're potato pancakes. Potato pancakes are latkes. So it was like they they, they did a little bit more to weave in. The explanation to people who may not know anything about Hanukkah. And I appreciate that. I always do.
0: And so do I. Uh, and on that note, thank you, April, so much for joining me on this one. Thank
1: you for having me. Uh,
0: I I'd, I'd love to have you back sometime on something with a little less shouting.
1: Oh, yes, I'm uh I'm pretty much the resident super Jew around here. <laughs> oh, so if you happen upon another Hanukkah special, I'm here for it. Okay, Where great. I don't know if you've done the Rugrats Passover special, but I'm here for that I too. I
0: haven't. Okay.
1: Yes, they do have a Passover that's
0: special. That's right. All right. I'm putting it on the to-do list. Thank you.
1: You're welcome. I think that's, I think that's kind of our reach, unfortunately. <laughs> well, for now,
0: if people want to give you the gift of a menorah made out of a literal handful of applesauce, can they find you anywhere on the internet?
1: Um, I usually keep a pretty low profile on the internet i don't have my own podcast um i i guest a lot on other podcasts um so i don't really have anything out there okay just your regular average college student parrot There you two. go <laughs> <laughs> basically yes i don't have any uh i don't have anything out there that i really like to plug i just like being here <laughs>
0: well thank you so so much thank you uh, and for all of y'all listening i hope you have a happy hanukkah and you can find show notes and other episodes at adventcalendar.house, and you can look for us on Twitter and Instagram there as well. Uh, our countdown to Christmas resumes a couple of days from now till then for April Riley from an out-of-control phone booth in the middle of a ski slope for no reason. This is Mike Westfall wishing you all a happy space Hanukkah.
1: If you really want to get um, authentic with it, you can throw in a... It, it, it's hagsameach. Which is it's Hebrew for you know, joyous festival. Oh, perfectly! Happy holidays! I'll it's leave that Hebrew. one to
0: you. <laughs> <Yeah>. Thank you.
1: <laughs> you got that hard huh sound in there. So. Yeah.
0: Yes. As Angelica taught me, you have to <sighs> when you say it.
1: Yes. <laughs> exactly.
0: That's important. And please watch out for that icy patch. Man,
1: man, 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 man,
0: man, man. Come now
1: get out of
0: here and now these messages hi this is scott from holly jolly x Masu, your podcast destination for japanese christmas music if you like christmas music and are tired of the same old songs this is the podcast for you Join me each month as I explore my collection of Yuletide albums from Japan, featuring everything from city pop to 80s rock, long-lost jazz, and psychedelic garage rock. Subscribe now wherever you get your podcasts. It's some of the greatest Christmas music you've never heard. Next time on the Advent Calendar House... I'm Cyril Sneer, a lumber profiteer. Whenever I'm near, trees disappear!